Thank you, Kelly, very much, and appreciate that. I'm trying to get my life in order here. I uh, don't have all the paperwork that I normally have when I start my program, and I don't know what I did with it. So anyway, we'll get through this just fine. Hope you're having a great uh, cold, cold, cold Saturday. I hope it's uh, I hope it's going to pass us by quickly. Goodness gracious. Have a uh, have a safe time if you're out and about. Please be really careful. This I was I was uh, telling Jared Taylor just a moment ago. This is historic. I've lived in back in Texas. I grew up in Texas, and I've lived back in Texas now since 1970. And this is the second worst cold spell. The, if I if I go by the forecast, we'll know better next week at this time. But this is the second worst that I have seen. The uh, cold spell that that we went through. I live outside the Dallas-Fort Worth area and the um, cold spell that we went through in on December 23, 1989 was four below zero in McKinney, Texas and many of you had a similar cold spell and um, then uh, the winter of 83-84 that bridged between New Year's Day uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we had 292 consecutive hours below freezing, but it did not go really, really cold. I don't know if it went into the teens at all, but just uh, just strangely stayed below freezing all that time. That one did a lot of damage. This one has both elements involved, and so I just I can't imagine what's going to happen. I, I have looked at many, many. I use a weather bug app, which lets you enter as many cities as you want. And see there, I think it's a seven-day forecast maybe, and see what is predicted for each of those cities. And I've been watching your cities, the cities that are on this network. And oh my goodness, it's uh, I say you poor people and we poor people because my city is also on that list. And it's just not going to be fun. Anyway, we can talk about things. I hope you have covered your plants. I hope you have brought plants in. There's not much I can say now. I, I covered it very, very great detail in my eGardens newsletter. If you take eGardens, you knew I would do that. If you don't take eGardens, you really need to because that is the reason we sent it out on Wednesday instead of Thursday for that very reason, just to give people the heads up uh, a day early. Um, and uh, then... Um, uh, I put it on Facebook the next morning. I put a link to that eGardens uh, page. Uh, if you if you want to see what I wrote, you surely can. You go to neilsperry.com and click on the eGardens tab, and uh, you'll see what I wrote uh, on Wednesday evening. Uh, it'll be dated Thursday, but it uh, was posted on eGardens uh, Wednesday, and you can see all the precautions I, I gave you. Uh, this coming week in eGardens, I will try to anticipate what uh, problems we might be facing uh, with uh, the damage that we may be having. But I'll tell you right now, I'm just going to tell you right now that when the thaw comes and you look at your plants and you see brown leaves, it will be way too soon to make any assessment of whether plants are, are dead or alive. Please don't go out there and start whacking around on your plants as soon as they uh, thaw out because you won't know. You just won't be able to tell in most cases. And uh, so it's going to be very difficult to, uh, uh, you know, if you call me from nine different cities and say, well, how is such and such a plant going to do in my city? I can't tell you right now. I mean, if you call me from Amarillo where it's supposed to go to 10 or 12 below zero, 
uh, over this weekend, and you ask me how bougainvilleas will do outside, I think I can tell you that. <laughs> but but for uh, other things uh, that are just borderline for your area, I don't know. We won't know until we until we live through it and see what comes out the other side. But it is really a strange one. So anyway, that's what we have. Um, I look forward to talking to you and uh, the uh, number to call. I should give you the phone number. I haven't done that yet, and we already have a call. Thank you. 888-256-1080. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones, and we are live. I guess you could kind of tell that we are live today uh, because of the uh, banter. Uh, 888-256-1080, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Uh, 888-256-1080 writing all this down and this is the 13th happy valentine's day tomorrow by the way i have a a quick tip and then i'll do a break and then we will uh, get right to the first call kaylor and brenham Uh, the uh, quick tip is if you are out uh, getting some last minute groceries or anything of that sort and you see some pretty flowers in the grocery and you want to take them home to your valentine or to decorate the house or whatever you're doing with them, let me tell you, you have about 30 seconds to get them into non-freezing conditions. So have the car warm before you take them outside. Don't be taking them out into a freezing car. And if you're taking them through the parking lot, cover them with a uh, with, with paper. Uh, completely cover them. Um, or have somebody bring the car up to the door. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Had a friend of mine who was a graduate student at Ohio State while I was there. I grew up in Texas and got my two degrees at Ohio State. He was working on azaleas and uh, he took a, a, a flatbed wheelbarrow full of his research around from the back door to the front door of the greenhouse to put him in another greenhouse and the door was locked and he didn't realize he had laid his keys down inside the back door and by the time he could run around and run back through and unlock the front door he had lost a bunch of his research it doesn't take very long i've learned the hard way it doesn't take very long so uh, what you need to do is uh, is is make provision to get them out quickly if they're in sleeves the the paper sleeves if you're buying a plant uh, for example an orchid uh, leave it in the sleeve and uh, until you get it inside at home. And uh, remember that it's sitting there on the floor in the back seat and take it in right away. Do something to remind you that it's there and take it in right away when you get home and then very carefully cut the sleeve off it. Don't try to save the sleeve. You have no use for that thing. Cut it. Don't uh, try to slide it back out again because you'll damage the plant. So that's my little free tip for today uh, for uh, Valentine's Day. You're welcome. Let me uh, tell you about my book, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Took a bunch to the post office yesterday. We'll take a bunch. Well, it won't take them Monday. I think it's a national holiday, but we'll take them on Tuesday. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening is my latest book. Uh, it is not a redo of the old cowboy boot book in any way. It is a, a book that I think you will find to be very, very helpful. And uh, it is... Uh, 344 pages, 840 of my best photographs, 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, what you need to know to get started in Texas about the hardiness zones, about the soil types, the rainfall uh, areas of Texas. And in 
chapter 1 on page 5, I explained to you why I think that 1990 Hardiness Zone Map is more accurate than the 2012 Hardiness Zone Map because it reflects a colder time. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, if this weekend doesn't prove that to be correct. This is the map you need to use, and it is there in my book for you. And I tell you ex exactly why the uh, new Hardiness Zone Map is inaccurate. They need to get that changed. Anyway, that's Chapter 1. Chapter 2 is a calendar of when to do everything. If you're wondering when should I put out pre-emergent weed killers, it's in Chapter 2, along with 48 pages of when do I do things. It's all there for you. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening, and then Chapters 3 through 11 are trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. Oh, if I could have written those as quickly as I can say them to you. I spent a month to six weeks writing every one of those chapters and getting all of the photographs ready for you. This is the best work of my entire career. Everything I've ever said or uh, uh, written about in my career is in the book, and it's there for you, satisfaction guaranteed. This book is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. You order it either by calling my office Monday through Friday. I hope we can get the office open on Monday. May not be. We're expecting snow in the McKinney area. So sometime during the week you can order it from the office. But the better way by far that you can do right now is to order it from my website, neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. The phone number is 800-752-G-R-O-W. That's 800-752-4769. But the better way is at neilsperry.com. The book's only thirty-four ninety-five plus tax and postage, and I sign every copy before it ships. So satisfaction guaranteed or a full refund. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, the uh, Chapter 2, the calendar, alone will pay for the book. I'll guarantee it or I'll refund every penny. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, only at neilsperry.com. It's not in stores and not on Amazon. It seems like these days, temporary storage facilities are on every street corner, but let's do a little bit of math. For what you are paying in yearly costs for that storage room, you could own your own genuine storage building, a building built by Mueller, right there in your own backyard, with a Mueller Backyard Building. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble, with a bolt-together design, and they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing money away by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of, of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose, adding style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller metal building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. You can see all the options at MuellerInc.com. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R.com. I'm sorry, let me do that again. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. INC.com or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER to find a location near you. That's 877-268-3553. Mueller, they're made in America and they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message.
Thank you, Kelly Robinson, very, very much. Let's go to our first call today, and that'll be Kayla in Brenham. Kayla, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a question about steel shavings. I've, I've come across a lot of the fine steel shavings that I end up with. Uh, I want to know if there's any benefit to be using those on my flower garden, like my roses or around my trees. It's, you know, it's just dust. It's still dust. Right. I have, yeah. so. It is not a type of iron that plants can utilize. It uh, changes to an insoluble type right away, so they will just give you a stain and nothing more. Unfortunately. So it's useless. <laughs> Question, a, then, yeah. another as, one, if you don't mind. No, not a problem. As a From a gardening standpoint, it's useless. Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. That's a solve problem. Uh, on magnolia trees, I don't know if you're... I've got two magnolias. I bought them about 13, 12 years ago, somewhere around there. <clears throat> One of them is the green. The leaves are real green. It, it's about 70 yards from the other one. And the other one, about this time of the year, the leaves turn yellow. Is there a lack of uh, nutrition in the soil, or do you know? Or what do you feed them? It, uh, you feed them nitrogen, and in um, in alkaline soils, you would you would put iron on them also, but that's not iron deficiency. Um, iron deficiency will show up farther west of you. You would see that along Interstate 35 in Austin and down toward San Antonio, and iron deficiency will show up as uh, as yellowed leaves. Uh, with dark green veins, and most prominently on the newest growth, out at the ends of the branches, you'll see it uh, primarily in the in the growing season during the summer, spring and summer. And you don't see it as much on magnolias. They they tend to, even though they're from East Texas and the South, they tend to get along okay. They just don't grow as well as they should if they're if they're deficient in iron. Uh, what you're seeing is it could be one of two things. Uh, probably more than two, but the two things that come to my mind first, because I see magnolias everywhere I go in the state, uh, number one would be uh, a difference in variety. There are a lot of different selections of magnolia. The standard magnolia is magnolia grandiflora, and even it will have variations between trees, um, and, and some of them will begin to turn yellow during the winter and into the spring. They start losing their leaves in April, uh, especially where you are, and then in May, farther north, and they'll drop all of last year's leaves. They're evergreens, but they're not really evergreen. They, they just lose their leaves after the new leaves start to come out. Um, and so that's what you're seeing is the, is the discoloration. That can be caused by cold weather. It, it's just a natural beginning of the leaf change. Second thing would be if that tree is in shallow soil, even though it's not alkaline, chalky soil underneath, it might you might have rock or something under there, and it's just not as, not as, uh, um, not as healthy, vigorous. It may have uh, poor subsoil. There could be some difference there, so okay. it's hard to tell for sure. An arborist would be able to tell, but nitrogen and water are the two things, and and obviously in Brenham you're going to have lots of water most years. Um, assuming that there's no root damage or trunk damage. So nitrogen and water are the two things that your magnolia will need to keep it growing vigorously. Okay. Well, that answers my question. I really appreciate it. All right. Your appreciate show. your call. Well, thank you so okay. much. Have a good and warm day. Try to warm you up. Too. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. We'll go about 38 miles up the road to John in College Station. John, this is Neil. Good morning. 
Good morning. Yes, sir. Yes, my question is, uh, well, my brother recently passed away, and we want to do a living memorial tree. And okay. the family has decided on a Christmas tree type uh, evergreen. What's the best tree to use here in Brazos County? Okay. Um, let me, I grew up in, in uh, College Station, and my yes, dad sir. co-founded Range and Forestry Department. So this is something that I've grown up thinking about and have thought about all my life. Um, the best evergreen in Brazos County, I, I'm going to, I, I, I want to answer this as accurately as I can and as well as, and respectfully as I can. Okay. If somebody, if somebody asked me, Neil, what tree would you want as your memorial tree without any question, I would want an oak because oaks symbolize forever. That's the, that's yeah. the most permanent yeah. tree we have in Texas. Now, the one evergreen oak that we have is a live oak, so there is one yes, possibility sir. for you. It's not a Christmas tree, but it's an evergreen, an elegant uh, evergreen oak tree. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of dancing around this for a reason, and I'll come That's back okay. to it. Okay. Uh, is there a reason it needs to be a Christmas tree-looking plant? Did he die around Christmas, or is there was his no, birthday sir. Christmas? Uh, okay. There's sentimental reasons. Uh, so my mother can see or spend Christmas with him. Okay. We all decorated right. the tree outside and all that. It's, it's in between our houses. All right. I respect that. I understand yeah. that. Um, so so that would be one comment I would make. Another uh, suggestion would be the magnolia that I was just talking about to the gentleman from uh, Brenham. Magnolias do well in Brazos County. And uh, one of the really pretty varieties that would do well in an urban setting is Little Gem. Uh, G-E-M, and another one is D.D. Blanchard. It has a beautiful uh, leaf to it uh, with a bronze underneath, and, and okay. uh, those are both selections. And they're, if, if you stretch it a little bit, they kind of have a Christmas tree shape to them, but you, know, you don't shear them into Christmas tree shape. John, okay. I'll tell you why I'm dancing a little bit, because uh, two months ago, the question of the day was always, what's the best living Christmas tree? And the problem with that question is there is not a good plant that we set out into yards that turns into a, a good tree for Texas that we use as a living Christmas tree. If we start listing all the possibilities, they all have some kind of serious problem. The, right. the truth of it is the best living Christmas tree that we have in Texas is eastern red cedar, the That's native cedar of Brazos County. But the problem with it is it's prickly as all get out as a Christmas tree. And so right. it, well, it's not any good in the house, but it's beautiful out in the yard. So that would be my answer for out in the yard. I have them in our landscape, and I love them. They're beautiful, and they're very durable. So that would be my third answer to you. So it would probably be one of those three trees. All right. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I hope one of those will. Does she have other things that she really likes? Does she like crepe myrtles? Does she like? We have, uh, we have plenty of crepe myrtles. Okay. Uh, does she? Do you know Possum Hall Holly? H-A-W, no, sir, Possum Hall Holly? There's a, there's a variety of holly that loses its leaves in the winter, and it, it has red berries all over it. Yeah, we had that in the past, and it was we had to get rid of it because it was next to the house, and it was impossible to try to get out of there. But we finally got it. Okay, well, that may it, not be the best then. So, all right. Yeah. Well, those are my suggestions, and good luck with it. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, John, so much. All right, that's tough. Uh, that opens the line. We have a couple open lines. If you'd like to call now, we'll be going to Pat in Corpus Christi, and then we could come to you. Eight eight eight. 
two five. That's my grand plan. Now that's my grand plan. You're involved. Eight 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 two five six. 1080. Obviously, we are live on this day, and we'd love to have you involved. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Niels Perry's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter. I referenced it a little bit earlier, uh, and uh, what I uh, do in eGardens is I bring you the latest, most important, timely gardening information. It normally comes out on Thursday evenings at 6 o'clock so that you can get ready on Friday for your Saturday and Sunday gardening activities. I've been doing eGardens for 17 years now, and uh, it is free. Uh, all you have to do is subscribe to it. We have 68,300 people signed up for eGardens each week, and I think you'll find it to be very, very helpful. This week, uh, one of the stories that I wrote about a week ago was on spring flowering shrubs, and I left that in just to give us some hope that spring will get here. But then as the week unfolded, I realized I need to do something very thorough on what to do to get ready for the cold spell. And we, we sent out eGardens on Wednesday while there was still time. I sent it one day early while there was still time to prepare plants for the cold weather ahead. And uh, that's uh, an example. You always will have a story on gardening this weekend where I outline the things you need to be doing. And I also will always have a featured plant of the week and a gardening question of the week. So those are the sorts of things that you'll find in eGardens. There's a great story about plants with heart-shaped leaves and flowers. And Diane Sitton wrote that. She writes one story a month for us. And uh, Stephen Shambly writes one story a month. Those are my two guest writers. Uh, Stephen will be writing this coming month and uh, week, and who knows what he'll write about. He is so good. He's really good. They both are. So if you want to see what eGardens looks like, I... I predict you'll sign up if you're not already. Uh, go to neilsperry.com and click on the eGardens tab. It's as simple as that. I'll never spam you. I don't give or sell your email address to anybody, so you don't have to worry about it. That's Neil Sperry's eGardens, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on that eGardens tab. I'll be back with more right after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. We have a couple of calls in a row here from Corpus Christi. Let's start with Pat. Pat, this is Neil. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have a about a six- or seven-year-old mandarin orange plant, and last year, because I don't know anything about plants, last year we got a lot of rain. I got 81 oranges off that little rascal, and it's not even five feet tall. But I don't know what to do. We're about to get a 16 degree a uh, cold here and i don't know if i'm supposed to cover it or anything because i'm totally ignorant about plants <laughs> well it's not going to handle anything close to 16 so you're going to have to do something or else be prepared to replace it well no no i can't replace it <laughs> well you'll have what do i you'll do? have to you'll have to build some kind of a structure over it pat and then no. put a heat source in and um with we'll what what do i, I beg do? your part i'm sorry what? Cover you the uh, structure with. You'll have to build a small greenhouse of some sort out of plastic. It's not. It's not like you have to build a permanent greenhouse, but you'll just have to build some kind of enclosure, yeah. and uh, then put a heat source. I don't know that a light bulb alone will be enough for it, um, and huh. and you know it would have to be an incandescent bulb. It can't be if an I, LED if bulb. If I like uh, made like a little tent with, uh, I mean you know little. 
put boards together and tie them at the top and then wrap blanket around it. I've got some blankets. It's just not very big. It's not even five feet tall. And, it, it, uh, yeah, here is what I'm saying. You have to build a structure that will hold heat within it. A blanket's not going to hold the heat in. It's going to go right through the blanket. Really? Even need, wool? I'm sorry. Every We're talking at the same time. Say it again. Even what? Wool blanket. I've got two wool blankets I don't use that are in the garage. I thought uh, if I draped them around uh, a frame... Yeah, do, do whatever you wish, but you don't see greenhouses made out of wool blankets. You see greenhouses made out of plastic because, uh-huh. air, because air does not move through plastic. Yeah. And you need to keep the air within the structure that you have. Okay. And then, and then heat that air to stay within that structure. That's why plastic is going to be your only hope. Now, I normally do not. I'll tell you what. Don't when uh, what happens with the electronic circuit that we have is when you say something, it blocks me out. Right. And uh, so, no, you're fine. You're doing fine. Um, when when we uh, when we have a heat source within a greenhouse, we need to we need to maintain that that air and uh, try to get it up to maybe 35 or 40 degrees. And so you're going to have to have some kind of a heat source, something safe. You don't want to have an electric cord out there that is in contact with wet soil. So you might want to lift that up off the ground. But you'll have to have either, uh, in, in some cases, if it were 30 degrees, I would suggest a 150-watt light bulb. And as I said, incandescent won't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it will work, will work. LED will not work. They don't put out any heat. Yeah, yeah. Um, a piece of heat tape, if you can buy heat tape in Corpus Christi, that might work. Um, if you have a small, very small electric heater where you can set it to come on and off and you, it doesn't overheat, that would be fine. But the smaller the volume of air that you have, if you build this thing just big enough to go over the plant, um, it's going to heat really fast if you put an electric heater in there. So you can't have it running at full blast or it'll go to 100 degrees. That's the problem with using, and, and here is my important thing that I'm saying to everybody listening now. I normally do not recommend covering plants with plastic because when the sun comes out the next morning, the, the plastic will hold the heat in and it gets too hot too fast and the plants thaw out too fast or they get too hot too fast and that can be very damaging but when you have temperatures that are 15 degrees colder than a plant can tolerate you have to do that because you can't you can't just cover them with frost cloth or with something like like quilts or blankets that's just not enough so if you're going to protect this you're going to have to do more than just wool blankets when it was small we put one of those round uh, fences around it because we got it when it was real little and uh i just put a a garbage bag around it it actually fit a large garbage bag and it never did get any damage from right pat and did you go to 16 that time i don't think so uh, this no, is, this no, is once I don't know how or, it's been this, in there like six, seven years. Last year's only. Pat, hear me, hear me, hear me. This is yeah. once in 50 or 100 years, this cold spell. You've not seen anything like this. What I've told you is the accurate answer, and, yeah. and that's where I have to leave it. You've got to cover okay. it and provide some heat for it. Okay. So you're going to hear the very same answer to Gloria in Corpus Christi because she's going to be asking about crotons, and it's going to be the very same answer. What hey, a, I appreciate a, your call. and so. Would a hot pad warm it? Because I don't have any kind of other things to make. You have to. 
you'll have to do whatever you can put your hands on. I, okay. Yeah, I don't know what you have inventory of, but I don't, do, do I whatever am. you can. I appreciate okay, your call. Thanks. Thank you. You bet. Let me take Gloria in Corpus Christi. Gloria, this is Neil. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, so I know that it, that you're probably tired of answering the same question, but um, the, just the background on this is this is a real recent, like we've only put them in the ground uh, within the last two to three weeks approximately. Um, so, and, and it's kind of in a corner spot. It's, you know, I don't know how the wind, it's coming from the north, obviously, but they're southeast-facing um, in our yard, and they're about a, a little over a foot tall. Um, so, Gloria, you're worried about how to protect them? Yes, sir. Dig them back up again. Put them in the garage or in the house. Dig them back up again. There is absolutely no question in my mind. There's, oh, okay. there, yeah, weather bug shows that you all are expecting 26 tomorrow night and 21 Monday night. Dig them back up again. Those have no roots into the adjacent soil. They're put them back in the same pots they were in, and replant okay. them in in two or three weeks. Okay. All right. Thank that's you so it. that's much. by far that's by far easier than building something over them and a lot a lot more it. dependable. But do it soon because crotons are much more sensitive than those mandarin oranges that she had. Okay. Okay. All right. That'll be that'll be easy. <laughs> yeah, that'll be easy. You'll not have any problem at all doing that. Hey, I appreciate your call. Stay warm. Well, thank all you. Right. You do the same. Sure, thank you. Yeah, we are expected to go three below zero in in the McKinney area. This is just four below is our all time record low, and I was here for that, and I lost my entire lawn. We had we had Raleigh St. Augustine. And we had a family reunion at our house the next summer. And you think you could find Raleigh St. Augustine to replace or any kind of turf grass? No. Everybody was out. So that's this is going to be quite a year. Uh, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my book. I mentioned it to you earlier. It is uh, 344 pages, 840 of my best photographs. As we get into the springtime, you really need to have this book. Chapter 2 gives you 48 pages telling you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect all the plants that you're trying to grow month by month. You turn that page from February to March, it'll tell you what you need to do in March. You look at February, you have four pages telling you what you need to get done as soon as it warms up enough to do it. Uh, chapter one is the basics of gardening, including my assessment written a couple of years ago of why the 1990 plant hardiness zone map is more accurate than the 2012 one from the federal government, from the USDA. And you can see how true that is. Uh, then chapters three through 11 cover all aspects of outdoor lawns, landscapes, flower and fruit and vegetable gardening. So that's the book. It's only $34.95 plus tax and postage, but it's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. The only places you can get it are by calling my office or better yet by ordering it directly uh, from my um, uh, from my um, uh, 
website, which is neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll be signing those books. I sign every book as it sells, and I'll be signing those books tonight and tomorrow night. So it's very important that you uh, get the uh, book uh, ordered right away. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening and uh, Satisfaction Completely Guaranteed. I've sold 59000 uh, to date, and I have not been asked to refund one penny on any of those books. So if you'd like to get it, you don't want to go into spring without it. Uh, it's Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, available only at neilsperry.com or by calling my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW. The better way is to order it at neilsperry.com. I'll have more after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you. Let's go to James in Amarillo, where it's going to 10 below zero tomorrow night. Oh, James, how long you lived there? James? Well, I gave him the setup, and he disappeared on me. That is not good. What do you think, Jared? Is he gone, gone? Okay. Grass planting for the Texas Panel. Well, my first recommendation is wait till the ground thaws. <laughs> so I guess I'll let him call back if he wishes. Let's go to Dan in College Station. Dan, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, sir. What's going on? Well, um, I love your show. And uh, I've heard you speak a lot about creep myrtles. And uh, I have kind of uh, two questions. Uh, I've noticed in the last Two years, I guess, my crepe myrtles get like a like a green moss on them, and I noticed them. I noticed the moss also on my uh, Chinese pistache tree. Um, I don't see that on a lot of other crepe myrtles, so I don't know what it is or where it's coming from or if it's harmful. You know, it you can use your hands and knock it off, but you know, it pretty much covers the bark. So that was really my first question. Is it primarily on the trunks and the bigger limbs, or is it up uh, hanging off the off the twigs, up in the on tree? the tr- on the trunk and on the bigger limbs? My uh, cousin's wife sent me uh, photos ten days ago of uh, something, and I I wasn't sure whether I was looking at lichens, l i c h e n s, or uh, the very beginnings of ball moss. Uh, which is a relative of Spanish moss. Uh, both of them will show up on crepe myrtles in Brazos County. Um, I think I may have seen a little bit of both, but it looked more like lichens. Lichens will be on the on the trunks and the bigger branches. Uh, lichens also will show up on the on the bark of pecans and oaks and other things. In fact, lichens are what uh, when you hear people wanting a moss-covered boulder uh, in at a, a stone yard. That's what lichens are. They're a symbiotic growth of of, an, uh, of algae and, and funguses growing together, nurturing one another, not really living off the tree at all. Uh, and they will they will flick off. If I go out on my driveway right now, we have a paved stone driveway, I, I will guarantee you I can find some lichens that have fallen out of the tree limbs. Uh, this is a time of year when they, when they do. Um, the bark is a dead tissue, and, and the lichens are growing on it. And as the bark starts to expand in the spring, the lichens are popped off. So that may be what it is. Ball moss, if, if you look around in your neighborhood and you see some crepe myrtles that are a little bit older and or have a 
more of it. Uh, looks like Spanish moss in a like somebody wadded Spanish moss together into a, a hardball, a, a, a baseball-sized wad. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's uh, it's becoming more common in in Brazos County. And if that's what you have, then that's a very different uh, plant. That's uh, actually a bromeliad, uh, and it is a sister to uh, Spanish moss. Neither of these harms the plants. Ball moss will shade the, the plants, and you don't want to have it in there. You want to just pluck out as much as you can as it gets started. So I don't know that I can give you an answer without seeing it. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a light green. It looks like it might be prickly, but it's really not. You know, well, kinda... that that could be the fruiting structures of the uh, lichens, or it could be the it could be ball moss. I can't, I can't. I'll let you, I'll let you do the uh, uh, the looking. If if you want to look up ball moss, it's uh, Tillandsia uh, recurvata, and you'll see a lot of it written up by A and M, and especially in the uh, Hill Country and Travis County and some of the other Hill Country websites. But I'll, okay. I'm running, I'm running short on time. I'll let you do the looking on that, and then lichens are. Uh, everywhere in the world so you'll see them written up very thoroughly everywhere very good i appreciate it yeah all right well good deal well thank you so much for the call have a good day i see that you're going awfully cold also i was uh, and and thanks for the call i was in college station as a child uh, in uh, on january 31st uh, 1949 when it went to three below i think it was zero their all-time record cold so i seem to drag this stuff in with me let me uh, tell you about uh, uh, the uh, my, my website it's neilsperry.com I mentioned it it is where you order my book it's where you sign up for eGardens and I'm just going to spell it for you and that'll be the shortest break I can do for my website it's n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y dot com the 1930s were difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression. Jobs were scarce. But you know what? Hopes remained high because it was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. Now, almost 90 years later, the Mueller name is known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and its products understand what it means to weather the storm. A Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather we've become accustomed to in our area. No kidding. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rain, hail, and maybe snowstorms for years to come. That's much longer than a conventional roof. If you want peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof. A metal roof made by Mueller for your home. Visit MuellerInc.com to learn more and to find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Phone number is 877-2-MUELLER, the number 2. That's 877-268-3553. Or stop by one of their 33 locations next week. That's Mueller, made in America, and made to last, MuellerInc.com. I'll be back with more after this message. Thank you, Kelly. We go to Conley and Alpine. Conley, this is Neil. I gave up my ad for my website so I could get your question answered best I can. How can I help you? <laughs> hey, hey, Neil, it's Conley, KVOF out here in Alpine, Texas, man. I just yes, want to let you know you are a family out here, my friend. Well, I feel like it. I love Alpine. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, okay, recently, you know, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. I recently bought uh, a beautiful bouquet for the love of my life. 
And uh, I'm a little penny pincher. Um, this is somewhat of a novice question, but how can I extend the life of those roses, red roses? All right. Well, they some, pro- some people, they, they tell me different things. Some people tell me to crush an aspirin, put it in there. Uh, my, my friend Hector here even said to put in two shots of tequila and they turn into <laughs> something after a while. Who knows? But well, That's I don't what, know that's what Hector's trying for himself. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, the, there are floral preservatives, and probably the roses came with a little packet, and those are the best. The best things you can do would be to uh, take the roses out of the vase, make fresh cuts on the bottoms of the stems with a pair of pruning shears or uh, some kind of heavy-duty scissors, and make the cuts at an angle, a 45-degree angle. Put them back in fresh, warm water, just baby Hmm. uh, bath water temperature, and uh, that will give them the longest possible life and uh, fresh water. No, No weird things the the product the little packets are good but nothing else no aspirin no tequila no sugar no anything else <laughs> all right well thank you so much Neil. you are welcome have a beautiful day in in the mountains in the davis mountains jesus mountains all of the big bend country hey folks happy valentine's day stay safe stay warm happy gardening